We are ex-Overland, and over the past 10 years, my wife and I have established a business doing what we love. Throughout the last 10 years, we have built over 20 Overland vehicles that have taken us and our team around the world as we film our adventures. My name is Clay Croft, and I am the founder and CEO of ex-Overland. On this podcast, we take a deep dive beyond what the camera can capture to offer you as much insight into the world of Overland travel as possible. If you haven't heard the news, Overlander Network just got even better. Overlander Network is the place to find all of X-Overland's legacy and most current premium content, along with our popular masterclass series teaching you how to build your Overland vehicle from stock. With Overlander Network, you can now watch on your favorite devices through the new Overlander Network app. You can download all your favorite content to take with you on the trail and enjoy ad-free, family-friendly entertainment. You can watch video versions of this podcast, enjoy monthly live streams, and of course, be the first to watch the Nordic series before anyone else. Right now, you can test drive Overlander Network for free for three full days. Take the wheel at overlandernetwork.com. Welcome everybody to the X Overland podcast. We're back, and today I have two people on the team with me. Uh, one face that you might find familiar here, Matt Hopkins, our global logistics coordinator. Welcome back, Matt. Thanks, Jimmy. Matt, you're starting to become a popular guest on this podcast uh, for two reasons. One is your wealth of knowledge, and the other is your electrifying personality on here, man. So I really appreciate you taking the time to, to join us every every chance you get. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Awesome. And uh, new to the podcast is Ryan Connolly. He's certainly not new to X Overland. He has been working with the team for how long now, Ryan? Well, everyone goes back to that. I was literally on the first episode ever of Expedition Overland, um, kind of because I was the guy that showed up in the wilderness because Clay forgot something, and so I delivered it to him what? on the first episode. Yeah, I have to. I have to dig this up in the yeah. archives. You haven't seen it. I haven't seen Go it. Go back to episode one. Oh man! And this yep. is kind of cool because we're uh, we're get we're putting together a game show podcast. Oh my goodness. Like that is that is uh, something that is in the works. So who I gets to write the questions? So far, it sounds like I'm going to be doing oh, the lion's share, but I think I'm going to be polling yeah. team members to get questions, right? And I'll just put the scripts together, oh, the ideas. But um, that one, I think, is going to have to be on there. Oh, it's oh going, it's going to be good. That's OG. And look, you, you don't even look like you must have been like 15 back oh, then because you look so young still. Yeah. He looks the exact same. I actually watched that episode the other night. When we were watching the Nordic series that's just now on there on the air, and I looked, and it was like two uh, shows over. It was the first episode. I'm like, there's Ryan. Dang. Yeah, it happens. It happens. I, I'm older than I look. Ryan's one of those guys that's just not going to age. Like, it, when, when he's 65, he's still going to just, you know. Work I am 65. God. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> now I know. That's going on the game show. No, I'm not. I'm not 65. All right. So, Ryan, what are you doing nowadays with XR Overland? What's your role here? Uh, that's super cool. I, I just got to join Expedition Overland full-time. So, obviously, I've been around. Actually, Clay was the first person I met when I moved to Montana 20 years ago. So, I got to be in the first episode. So, I've been around. I've been a helpful guy. People have seen me occasionally in different truck builds. But as of January, I'm a full-timer. And my job is operations director. Um, and in my understanding of what that is, is basically all the stuff, 
um, they're making cool movies and playing with cameras and doing really cool media content stuff. And my role is to make sure the stuff is available and in good shape and ready for them to do the cool stuff. Yeah, that sounds like like the materiality, to use a word, like yeah. that material world of vehicles, trucks, gear, all of that, which we have a lot of. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Uh, and you were on um, the Alaskan expedition, correct? I did. Yeah, Alaska was the only one I got to be on the whole trip for. Okay. So start to finish, um, I got to do the Alaska ex- expedition uh, with the young boys. I was actually the oldest person, speaking of age, on that trip. Were you the guy that, you know, Clay kept saying, in old guys who are young at heart. Uh, yes. In and fact, I thought, <laughs> that painfully strikes me. Like, right right you in know, the heart. My kids who are like young teens and eight and nine, ten-year-olds, they still make fun of me for that exact quote. Right. Like that's what they point out. Oh, you're thanks, young Clay. at heart, Dad. <laughs> oh, you're young at heart. Yeah. You're like, yeah, let's do some one-on-one out here. I'll take you. <laughs> that's right. Uh, well, we're here today to talk about communications, um, overlanding communications in particular, and that would apply really to anybody. I would think, guys, who's engaged in any kind of vehicle-based adventure. Um, that that's the special focus that we have in this podcast episode. Uh, some of the communications that we're going to be looking at, I think, are applicable to all kinds of forms of outdoor recreation. But since you know we're we're focused on vehicle-based recreation as a kind of platform, even for anything else that goes on, right? That's that's where the heart of this podcast is at. So that's why um, you two are both here to go over the myriad forms of communication. And we, uh, we recognize that we're enthusiasts. We're not experts, even though I know both of you do have a fair amount of expertise or you wouldn't be sitting here. Um, still compared, as you were mentioning earlier before the podcast, compared to some who truly are professionals, experts, say in ham radio or something like that. We're not professing to be that. We're here, I would say, for starters, to underscore the value of communications as a skill set to be working on as overlanders, as people who recreate in outdoors, like is just like you would work on recovery skills, say, or you would work on, you know, vehicle maintenance. Communication is one of those areas that you start somewhere and you just keep improving, hopefully. And that's what this podcast is about. It's to A, maybe introduce people to this world of communications for vehicle-based adventure and overlanding. And then secondly, hopefully give people some skills and some directions to go in. Does that sound fair? Yeah. That's uh, what, what we're after. I like it. All right. So from smoke signals to Starlink, <laughs> that's, that's what's been going through my head again and again. Uh, where do we begin? Where do you guys want to start as far as um, all the different approaches? I and mean, you know, should we begin maybe with something as simple as what most people have, like a cell phone? Or what do you think? Well, maybe we ask like the why. Okay. Why communicate? I think ah, we've we've perfect. all we've Mindset. all lost, yeah we've all lost relationships because of lack of communication. <laughs> could be part of it. What? Actually, yeah. this could be the beginning of an end. It could be. It could be. It's going to be a therapy the, podcast. Together. Yeah. <laughs> I would think like the, yeah the why the why we have a need to communicate because that's something I have to in a way explain to friends before I go on a big road trip or we do an overland uh, tour somewhere. Uh, when I mentioned, hey, you should probably have a radio in their truck. And they go, why a radio? Or what? I have my cell phone, like you were just kind of mentioning. And, and there's, there's a lot to the why, I think. It makes a big difference. Yeah. So let, let's talk about the why, right? Like why, 
why is this skill set important? Why should you have some kind of communication device along with you? Um, maybe even some personal stories, right, that illustrate this point. Yeah, I think you can start with the safety aspect of the why. Making an effort to communicate what you're about to do or what you're doing is kind of step one in keeping yourself safe. Literally writing a note on the countertop before you leave the house, it says, hey, I'm taking off, I'm going to go here, I'll be back at this time. That is a huge first step to being able to if something goes wrong, someone to then reach out and figure out, oh, what happened? He's not back when he was supposed to. That's that root level of communication that we really need to think about when we're thinking about keeping ourselves safe. So in the, a couple things jumped to mind for me right there, Ryan. The first is this. Um, to, to, to Matt's point earlier, you know, we've, in relationships, we've had trouble with communications, right? Like communication is important. But, but that is my point in that let's say – you're a, you're a man or a woman and you want to go out and do some kind of crazy, what's, what might seem to your partner or whoever you're going to tell this to, to be kind of nuts. Like, I want to ride my adventure motorcycle over to Bridgers or I want to go camp for three days in the winter. There's a certain amount of courage it takes just to begin with to, to tell somebody, especially a significant other, I'm heading out to do this and this place and here's what I'm going to do because you might take some, you might get some pushback, some criticism, et cetera. So I think there is a tendency with some people to kind of uh, sugarcoat where, where they're going to go, what they're going to do. And then it turns out to be a little more extreme than they said. And so just to come out right away and have the, the courage for safety's sake to say, I'm going to do X. Yeah. Totally guilty. <laughs> yeah. Just, just disappear. Like I'm going to go, you're gone. That, and it's not smart. I think we generally do that because we may not know what we're getting into or we know our nature that we're going to go out, we're intending on going to this particular climb, and plans change. Right. And now you either had the, you know, in the beginning, you maybe been afraid to say it, tell anybody where you're going to do because of the potential criticism, or you can't do that, or that's too big of an endeavor, or that's pretty audacious of you to think of that. That's dangerous. Or that's dangerous, or whatever. And then you go out there and plans do change, and now you're in a totally different drainage, totally different mountain range, and it kind of cuts back in your freedom, but with different levels of communication. Now you can easily get out there and go, oh, time to send a message home, or communicate to somebody, plans change, don't worry. Man, this is so important. And so talk about something like I never even considered in planning for this podcast is just this really like this uh, more like the psychology of communication, which is like just being able to start with to tell people what you're going to do. And then when you're on the adventure too, no matter what tech you have, there is a certain amount of stop, communicate, carry on. When you change plans, you go a different way, right? Um, and so maybe that's, yeah, as far as mindset, like start expressing yourself to the people who would come and rescue you or be there for you if something went wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big key thing is the who, because when it takes two to tango, at least depending on how you're broadcasting your voice or your message out is who are you communicating with? And if it is for the safety factor, are they able to respond to what? emergency you could potentially have. Hmm. That's a big thing too, because that's where a lot of people are misled, where they naturally think, well, mom and dad, or my wife, or my husband, I'll just, hey, I need help. 
do they know what to do at that point? Or are they so, just going to panic? Yes. Compared to like some of your close friends mm-hmm. who might be the people you want to be filling it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Put it together for you to go, okay, I know him. I know his nature. I know what he's up to. I think I could probably run out there with a pickup truck and get him unstuck. And we don't have to call for five helicopters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll end up digging through each of the different levels of communication that are possible nowadays. We have lots of tools and each tool is going to give you an opportunity to reach out or to receive messages in a different way. So depending on the expedition, if it's just an hour and you're going to go for a run, you probably don't need to do what we would do if we're going to go on an expedition for five days. So it's, they don't, you don't always have to do everything, but you do have to realize that when you go do something, things happen. So take a couple steps at least to be ready to make that necessary communication when it happens. Yeah. That's, that's the mindset part of this podcast that I'm, I'm seeing right now that just developed at the beginning, right. Is it taking it like being self-disciplined enough really? Cause I hear you, Ryan, right. I'm thinking of, you know, you finally have even a few hours to yeah. hop on the bike or jump in your truck or whatever you want to do, go for a quick climb or a hike. And you just don't even want to be bothered with having to go through, having to tell this person or that person. And some people might be kind of, you might think, I'm always telling this person this thing. They get annoyed. But it's like, take the time. What is it? You know, it's going to take less than five minutes. So somebody knows something. And this is the most OG of stuff. Like with all the tech we have, I I remember dating my age here a little bit, but before all this, that was the thing. You would always just tell someone where you were going yep. as detailed as you could, give them a time to start worrying. Yep. And that's that's pretty much all you that's had. That's all you had. Yeah. yeah. There's no way if you're out in the backcountry, you're you're on your own at that point. There was nothing. And that was what, twenty years ago? We have, we've gone so far. You guys are old. That twenty years is stacking actually, guys. Yeah. Twenty years on top of twenty years. Okay, forty years ago. <laughs> it was yeah. a while I mean, ago. I mean, we're getting to this point. Say like, holy 90s. moly. Yeah, exactly. This um, is worldwide communication. And what he, what uh, Ryan's holding up right there oh, is sure. an InReach Mini. And so, yeah, so, all right. Shall, shall we talk about some of the devices? Like you're heading into the backcountry, you're heading out on an overlanding trip of some kind? Well, let's describe, like, kind of, you just made a good point there, too, which I didn't really think about. And we, I think we do it naturally as, you know, explorers and people that are going on expeditions off. And you're probably not taking these with you on a run. That's where that note on the kitchen table might be sufficient because you're just going for a couple mile run. You'll be gone in a couple hours maybe compared to a note saying, I'm going to Alaska might not be enough. (laughs) (laughs) If you're you're not even going to leave a note when you go to Alaska, maybe something really bad is happening. At that point, you don't want communication. (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe not. (laughs) But there's just different different levels of it, sure. So, I mean, depending on what you're looking at here, so I would say for your basic, yeah. like you mentioned earlier, solo traveler. Yeah. Solo traveler not leaving your region, sure. your county, your town, state, maybe whatever. You know, I guess there's a few things right here that I think would be adequate if you're solo. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, start, we'll start easy though. Everybody's sure. got a cell phone now, right? Everyone's got a cell phone. Yes. So, in many contexts throughout the United States and you, world, you, yeah, and the world, your cell phone is enough. Mm hmm. Because it will connect. Yeah. It was so much better than 20 years ago, oh, I might add. Man. Like that's something and 40. That I've, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> 40. Yes. Was there a cell I, phone? Do you remember four years bag ago? phones back in the yeah. day, you know, before? They you, weren't even sad phones. You, you remember bag. them or you had one? I had one. <laughs> it's probably still men in the center fishing guides looked at me like the techie <laughs> idiot. Like, how Holy dare cow. he? And now look at a fishing wow. guide, right? Holy cow. Um, but yeah, you're right. So cell phones, you know, just about everybody has one. So I'm thinking about some, just for starters, right? If that's what you have, maybe make sure you're fully charged up before you head out. Um, close your windows so you're not draining battery power. I've also, um, come to know that uh, if you go to airplane mode, you can save a lot of energy, right? Big time. Although people can't reach you. Yeah. Right. Which is another thing. Yeah. That's okay though. I mean, that's the point of a solo trip is usually to go have some quiet time. Yeah. yeah. So go ahead, turn on airplane mode. That is not a problem in my opinion. Yeah. Right. When you need it, it will be there and it'll have more power. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you could always bring like a micro charge pack along if you were going on an extended trip, just yeah. to make sure you're always charged up. Yep. Okay. Um, and, and what just about- go all the way in? Like, so I have a lot of experience as a backpacker too. In yeah, addition both to truck you guys stuff. do, yeah. right? And honestly, I used to carry all sorts of things like a self-contained GPS to go backpacking and paper maps and all the things. And I, yes, I love a paper map. I'll never give up a paper map, but a phone on airplane mode can still use its GPS and you can navigate like crazy with that thing for days. Yeah. For days, especially with a battery pack. And you have even more days, like bringing a solar panel Holy with you in your backpack is kind of old school in the sense. Like I've been on multi-day trips where I brought solar panel and I didn't even need it. I did yeah. it because it was there and I thought I brought it. I might as well use it. But the battery pack, 20,000 amp hour or milliamp hours, that's days worth of power. If you're on airplane mode and just using a map. Yep. Totally. And so, so it's not I just comms, it's, it's, it's navigation at the same time. So our so devices this is are like a, a perfect segue into, uh, well, one, one more thing I do want to touch on though with the phone. Let's say you do want to try to use it to reach somebody on the outside, or you even want to check in, you know, is someone trying to reach me? Is sure. something important going on at home? Um, how much does it help how, in your experience to, you know, hike on top of the hill or mm. just get up, a, you know, to where you get reception? It helps. It, it definitely helps, yeah, if it's available. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of places you can go. You might be flat for a while right. with no cell service, and it might be miles before you get to that. Yeah. So that's the key part, especially in Montana. We're all well aware there's tons of zones. You're like, oh, I have my phone. It doesn't work the moment you need it. <laughs> and the ter- terrain does matter yeah. for that cell phone to communicate. So if, you, if you're in a spot where you have nothing else, get as high as you can and hope you get lucky. That makes sense. And, and what I hear you guys saying also is let's say like a place like the Bridgers right here behind us. We know that there's cell coverage all over the valley and around the Bridgers, but you might be down in some crevasse or somewhere where, yeah. not a crevasse, but some little canyon or something. Right? Hopefully if you're in a, a crevasse, crevasse in the Bridgers, you're not you coming the out. wrong thing. <laughs> a glacier or a big run. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you do know that there's cell reception around, generally speaking, then probably if you can get up high enough, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or you'll at least the, the classic, you'll get a text out and that's about it. And okay. then in the search and rescue context, if you get a text out, that means you're pinging to multiple towers and then the SAR guys can use, they have access to the data behind those towers and can use that to locate where your phone is relatively well. And it's worked more and more over the past couple of years. I've seen more and more rescues happen because their phone had just enough battery. The biggest thing is more than it was cell service. Do they have enough battery? Because there's a lot of times the person is here. We figured out where they are. We talk to them, we text them, but they're at 2% battery. Yeah. 
that's always like the last thing they end with is how much percentage of battery. So having that battery power, and we did talk about that uh, on the search and rescue podcast, I think cool. yeah, about having that extra battery power when you're out there. But yeah, that, that works until it doesn't. And then you go to stage two. Yeah. And then if you're, again, now we're solo, we're talking kind of like foot travel or bike travel. Mm-hmm. We don't have a lot of batteries or engines. So you're going to have a secondary mode of communication besides your cell phone. So we start to get into the personal stuff over here. Yeah. But, but maybe before we do that, before we leave the cell phone in the overlanding context where it's vehicle based travel, there are some technologies to help your cell phone reach farther. Like WeBoost or something. Yeah. yeah WeBoost is the, the, the common, the well-known one at this point. Okay. Let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about that. WeBoost. Okay. So WeBoost is made by Wilson Electronics. W E. Cool. I'm impressed. You know, Wilson I'm, I'm, I'm very yeah. impressed. I might have gave away their secret. Let I don't that know. Sink, huh? Yeah. So <laughs> WeBoost. It is. Um, it's battery powered. It attaches to your vehicle, so it runs off 12 volts, and it has a big antenna, which many people have seen on overland trucks nowadays. It look kind of cool. It has this big, yeah, like beer can style antenna on a post. You know what amazed um, me about one of those too? I got my hands on one. Is how light it is. Yeah, they're pretty. Uh, the antenna looks like something you club someone over the head with, but it actually is like super yeah. light. Yes. There's, there's a little yeah. computer board and a little tiny wire inside. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> wow. it's, it's the. That's more protection <laughs> is the big plastic dome. If protection and a little bit of like. It looks cool. Aesthetics, of course. You <laughs> Probably gotta, mostly. If you're not looking cool, cool, why are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> look. I don't know. I couldn't think of the analogy for that. It's like stuff in the package, right? You're like you're just filling out the space to make it look cooler. Yeah, anyway, Lily let's, or let's edit that out. Anyway, uh, so WeBoost is a um, truck-powered boost for whatever cell signal is present in that location. So it works because there's a large antenna bigger than the one in your phone, and usually can stick it up on your truck, up high, um, somewhere with less obstructions. So what it can do is it can take a marginal signal, say a one bar on your phone, and it is better at receiving that signal and then putting it into a tiny little... um, Amplifier. Amplifier, yeah, that then takes the little signal that it gets and makes it stronger. Now, like in a cloud, like a, like that your phone you were saying earlier has to be near. Yeah, it's a, it's a little brick that looks about that big around, and you usually bolt it into your truck yeah, somewhere. Think of Bluetooth for your, like how far away you walk from yeah. your truck and your radio loses yeah. connection. The same concept, essentially, okay. is what it's doing. It's yeah. receiving. So it's amplifying the little signal that it receives to your phone, and then now your phone both is, re- is receiving because it has a bigger antenna and transmitting better because it's pushing it with truck battery power to reach that cell tower. Okay. So uh, I think they're around $500. They're typically permanent installs in your vehicle. And they, like Matt was saying, they have a very limited range. They don't create cell signal for you and all your friends. They They create a better signal in your truck within like a foot or two feet of that amplifier. Okay. And that, in a lot of places, I'm thinking where I camp, like that would be just enough. Yeah. I'll get like one bar or barely one bar. It's kind of hanging on. Yep. Um, and I've thought, yeah, if I could just have something boost that up a little bit, I'd be good. So it, it's a nice, cause it's not subscription based. It's a one-time purchase. It's always with your vehicle. You always have the ability, as long as you have a truck battery that works, you now your cell phone battery or sorry, your cell phone signal will reach farther and also you'll receive because you have a big antenna. And we can come back around to cell phones again. Like we don't have, there's nothing rigid here, but um, I'm also thinking before we leave the topic, uh, the SOS 
mechanism oh. on cell phones mm-hmm. and and you know the, the gps feature I, I still know people are like i just don't there, there's a gps on my cell phone yeah. what is it yeah. for real and these are all people my age sure. admittedly sure. Right. sure these are this is a match generation uh but what's going on there like if we're getting a contemporary cell phone can we trust there's a gps in there and can we send an sos signal only if we have cell reception how does that work well, I think the SOS you're hearing about, and correct me if I'm wrong, is just the new iPhone. Yeah. The new iPhone has a true satellite. SOS. It, the no different than your inReach yep. SOS button. Okay. Uh, and that's just in the new, whatever, the, I'm not sure which generation it is, but like, it's in the new, yeah, yeah that might, it is. that's it right there. Oh, well, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's the one right there. Um, but I, I don't believe Android has anything yet or anybody else. Now, and do I have to be in cell reception? No, because if it's true GPS, you have to be within a clear sky to hit a satellite. Yep. That's why that's different than your standard SOS on my phone, wherever it went, that just calls 911 through Verizon yep. or your cellular provider. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's why I wanted to, I did a little research about that. Um, before the podcast, just because, and here's another issue like that happens, like with the screen I just showed you inadvertently. Oh no. Oh no. Oh yeah. And I heard like with the new Apple watches, like ski resorts are getting all kinds of sending out all kinds of pings because people are crashing and sending, you know, um, but just to know that's there, right. That's another thing you can use. Um, so I'm thinking guys, then, you know, since we're kind of on the started with cell phones, the next thing someone is most likely to buy would be a satellite messenger, like an inReach or a Spot. Yeah, because it becomes a it's a personal message device, uh, emergency message device, right? It's not for continuous comms, not for like sending messages to your buddy over there a hundred feet away. It's for emergency cases. So that'd be your your inReach, um, which is a Garmin product. This is a spot. This one is kind of just part of the spot system that would be attached to your car or something like that. And this is more of your classic backpacker spot. Um, it's self-contained unit. It does. It has all the buttons needed right on the device itself. And so, Ryan, like some, to, to piggyback off of that a little bit and maybe just push back on one thing you said uh, about it just being for emergency use, there's a distinction apparently between a locator beacon like you can buy something oh, that's sure. just a locator beacon, right? It's like, yeah, oh man, right. I'm in trouble. Beep, send a send a Calvary. Yeah. And an inReach that you can get the EarthMate app on your phone. Yep. And that and if you're willing to pay the service, you can text back and forth and Correct. and still just communicate. Yep. Okay. Yeah. You do you you're right. This more than emergency, they the older like this this spot is a little bit old. It's basically, it has, I think like three set messages that it can send. It can send an I'm okay message. Yep. It can I remember send, these. Uh, yeah. And you have to go set it up online. And now we're showing my age too. Yep. Um, yep. I, so it has like three set messages plus the SOS button. Yes. And the SOS button doesn't even send a message to like your buddies. It only sends it to SAR. I remember that, um, you know, starting with the spot systems before there were yeah. the inReaches and EarthMate apps. I have found that uh, with uh, the, I use the inReach mini a lot and, and paired it with EarthMate app yep. and find it to be incredibly useful, um, not just for me being able to reach out to people, but if like my wife right now has a health issue, right? Something could happen to her. She needs to be able to reach out to me. Yep. Um, so before I go, I will send her a, a text through my inReach, through the EarthMate, and then she's plugged into me, right? And she can just send out a communication anytime and it'll beep at me and I know someone's trying to reach me. Yeah. So yeah. They've, they've come a long way. Yeah. I, and 
I, I would say if people take the time to play around with them and learn how to use them, yeah, then they're they're helpful. But if the battery dies, right, you're back yeah. to the same issue. So yeah, the the perk about these two is the one that I have is ten years old mm-hmm. and works just as good and as fast as this one does. Yeah, it's cool. The antenna, for the most part, it'll send and receive messages just as quick. And the battery, believe it or not, after ten years, still lasts. I charge it maybe once a month if I turn it on a couple times that cool. month. Wow. It's really incredible how strong these things are and how long these things will last to where I would trust having this in my backpack if it's been in there for three days than knowing my phone's got a battery yeah. left to it. So I call this the uh, Adventure Permission Subscription. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's like, honey, you have the in-reach? Right. You have a subscription? Okay. We're good. Now I can go. <laughs> That's I'm, right. This, this is for those of us that are married... Adventure permission subscription. Or a young buck like me. Mom bought this for me 10 years ago. <laughs> I go. was staying. My daughter's turn, coming of age. She's turning 18, and she loves adventuring. And I'm like, just have that in-reach charged up. That's let me, right. Let me know where you're at. <laughs> Ping me every now and then. Um, and also, just pro tip that I found out from X Overland. I mean, this, you know, kind of, you would think it would go without saying. But someone's like, make sure that antenna is up. Huh? And, and you will find your messages go through much faster instead mm-hmm. of lying on the dash of your car or something like that. If it's pointed up, it really goes through faster. And it does. I was blown away with like the difference that made. So where it's with the spot, you just, I don't even okay, know. Okay, so this is satellite position communication, a little bit of satellite text communication. Yes. Um, also satellite SOS communication. Yeah. Um, but then we do have satellite voice, which is this guy. Uh, is this one? No, that's the. Is it in here? This one's text too, isn't it? Does this do voice? I'm not even sure what that you is. I mean, like a sat phone. Yeah, I think this is. This one is a Bluetooth connection to your phone. It's a. It's a satellite oh. phone. It's a satellite phone. So it has a satellite antenna. It has a little screen, but it connects to your phone for audio. So it isn't a simply a text device. It's also audio. My jaws dropped. Yeah, this but is, this is, looks amazing. So instead of like a satellite phone, your handheld conventional yeah. looking phone, this is like uh, for people who aren't watching the podcast. This is like a little box that it looks like you you know charge up, and it's communicating with satellites. But you can be on your conventional cell phone and talking like a normal call because it's going through the box. Is that right, Ryan? Yeah, different than a self-contained satellite phone. This one requires two devices to. To fully function, um, yeah, we don't you, we don't have one up here. Have, oh, I thought we did. Yeah. We don't actually have a satellite phone. I think we typically rent a satellite phone for if we need it. Yeah, we don't own one. Those subscriptions are pretty expensive. The yeah. per minute use is expensive, and it's common people do that for the sake of the technology. But the time you buy one and <laughs> activate it and use it, it's already out of date in six months. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah. that's a good thing. Um, you know, I'm thinking too. Like I'm, I'm learning is oh yeah. So if I'm really doing something that's extreme or maybe there's something going on where I need to be communicating more with my family back at home mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, I can rent a, a satellite phone for this specific trip. Yep. Yeah. I love that. That would be super helpful. Plus a lot of people with business, you know, there's some people like I have a hard time disconnecting that because I just love scrolling Facebook marketplace. I do. <laughs> um, but I, a lot of things I, I work remote through a lot of different you guys, especially just do a lot of remote work. So even if I want to go out and enjoy a day out, I still need to be somewhat connected because there's that one phone call that may need to come in that I need to answer that question right now. And it's worth breaking my day in the mountains for a five minute phone call to solve a week's worth of headaches. Yeah, so, so you can spend your day in the p- mountains, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, people. Yeah, people have a lot of business that they need to keep moving on seven days a week. That this stuff really comes in handy. I've, I've changed the world with <laughs> in-reach messages at times because I was like, wow, I'm glad I was where I, you yeah. know, I was able to get a hold of and still able to go ice climbing. And before, so when you like with that in-reach messaging system. Um, kind of like I was talking about with my wife, like you, the people you think you might need to be communicating with while you're out there, will you like line them up ahead of time and send them a message so they know you're out there and all they need to do is respond to the text? Yeah, usually depend. I try to usually mitigate all that stuff before I go out, but there's always that one moment that you know at 5 p.m. this must happen and you want to do a quick touch base. Like I did this when I was in Mexico uh, back in January. I had a, a driver come into town that was taken off to go to Oklahoma and I'm glad he was able to get a hold of me at the one part- he messaged me in my reach, said, hey, if you can get to service in the next hour, let me know because I need to talk to you. And I was able to solve a bunch of problems that I didn't realize he had. I kind of set him up for disaster and accident, but we were able to solve those things and turn him loose. I ate lunch and then was back off the grid in Mexico again. So it, yeah, it helps you kind of keep your world moving when you're exploring other worlds. Speaking of that, um, you know, we have so many different devices to look at and, but I, I feel like we're, we're kind of in that vibe of, of Starlink. Um, as far as like staying in touch while you're out of reach type of thing. Yeah. And um, I know even uh, more and more of the work I'm, I'm doing right now, I could do via Starlink. It would allow me to be pretty much anywhere I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys had some experience with Starlink? Yeah, um, definitely. It's, uh, it's a game changer. Uh, again, we, we can even talk about solo communication at that point because now with an internet signal anywhere in the world, you have a thousand ways to make communication connections. All, I mean, WhatsApp is now available in the backcountry because of Starlink. WhatsApp's, I think, I think WhatsApp's messaging is free on most flights now. Is it really? Even yeah. if you don't pay for the yeah. Wi-Fi subscription, you could still use WhatsApp for no texting way. on most flights, I've noticed. Wow. Maybe it, it could just be United or American, I can't remember, huh. but one or two of them, like yeah. it was still free to use WhatsApp. Yeah. So you, you're able to almost stay connected. And Starlink, yes, will work anywhere you have a clear sky in the, on the planet that I know of. The big jump we just made there is we, went, we left handheld devices to something that's much more permanent, um, a larger object. You don't, you're not going to put Starlink in your backpack and go on an adventure. Now, we are going to mount it to our trucks on an expedition. But again, it's not a personal device. It's a, a truck level, a convoy level, uh, an expedition level version of communication. Now it has all of the internet at its disposal. So that's why it's, it's a game changer. And it requires significant power, like from, from the truck somehow, yes. like an inverter or how, what's the minimum setup you need uh, in a truck to run it? Uh, 110 AC. So you need to have an inverter. I don't know. You don't, do, you don't have you do to. No there are ways. Okay. There are ways. We're going to run it off direct DC power on Orion oh. um, mm-hmm. on the next trip. Cool. Um, and you have to do a little bit of hacking to make it work. <laughs> but if you're willing to potentially void, well, actually, definitely hey, void your warranty. Why did we talk about legality and warranties? And I don't hacking. think that's illegal. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> it's just, it's, I bought it. I could cut it up if I want to. So, yes, yeah, so, the funny thing is uh, the big difference, the problem with Starlink and power usage is it has a, a snow melt feature. And that snowmelt feature consumes a lot of juice. So you can disable the snowmelt feature, and then it, it sips energy way better than if it's trying to keep itself warm. Heat up the whole panel. Because yeah. as you know, the panel's larger than this. Yeah. And it sits and looks at the sky like that. So if it's snowing heavily, which I've run into, it's got to keep melting, or that thing just gets 
piled right up and loses all signal. Yeah. Yeah. What a difference. So that that's a excellent pro tip, I think, for anyone with a Starlink is, you know, if you don't need that snowmelt feature, turn it off and you save a ton of energy. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, th- we won't go all the way into that. It's out there. Spend a little time on YouTube. Lots of really smart people hacking there. Starlink's like crazy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think, right, to find some way to mount it more efficiently and to just have it more accessible. And yeah, my guess is like that's the future is finding a way to integrate that. Like just like we've been doing with solar panels, like they're getting smaller, they're getting lighter, they're getting more like infused with rooftop tents and right, not these big unwieldy objects kind of thing. Yep, yep. Um, Well, you guys made me think too when you were talking about how Starlink opens up the whole internet and the way of communicating how um, with the inReach Messenger in Facebook, you can set up a map page and password protect it and then just share it with a handful of people hmm. and they can follow you around, you know, through social media that way and know where you're at and help you if you need to and that sort of thing. Yeah, for, I mean, my even my 10-year-old one's got uh, Facebook. It's got, I can't remember, there's another one on there. So there's Facebook, but map share, yeah, you just send the URL to whoever and they can just boop pull it right up and find your location. And if you've got it set for every 30 seconds or every 30 minutes for sending a, uh, dropping a point, a waypoint, it just gives them the whole, the whole map of where you've been. Yep. Yep. Like when you head out, you can start a tracking feature and send someone the message and then they mm-hmm. can track you and know. Or they already at. have it. So like the County has mine. So when I go on a search and rescue mission, I'll radio back before I lose comms with our local repeater and you just say personal inReach tracking and they're able to pull a window up that has my inReach as soon as I turn it on and they know where I'm at. Yeah. So, and, and the, I think, uh, along with emergency stuff that we've talked about safety, the better you get it using this technology, the more you can use it just socially for fun. Like, Hey everybody, you know, I'm, I'm going camping this weekend. You're, you are the four people I would enjoy having show up in my camp. And so I'm going to set you up with my map share page. If you can break away from work, you know, come and see me. Sure. Um, and even though you're off the grid, you know, they know where to find you. And Mm -hmm. so there's some social things you can do that are pretty cool with all that too. Just one more solo comms we probably should touch. Let's do it. Um, and it's it'll it'll take us to the next one too because if you have a ham license and a ham radio, and you're way the heck in the backcountry and your cell phone doesn't work, there's a chance you could hit a repeater and communicate to a lot of the world through your ham radio. So a, a handheld ham radio. Either a handheld or in the case of driving around with a truck, you can have a mobile install that's running at a lot higher power than your handheld. Okay, perfect segue time. Let's let's move into radios. And maybe we ought to uh, cruise through CBs for people my age who still have visions of Smokey and the Bandit and you know, think it's cool and, you know. What's going on with CBs? Did you see my hackles go up? <laughs> I did. Getting nervous. I, I getting your nervous. I saw your shirt kind of started sweating a little bit. So you, oh, do they know your history? I yeah, mean, so, why yeah. is you, why do you like CB so much? Well, actually, well, it it, start, it all started with CB. I think everything in one sense of the term started with a CB radio when I was a little kid, and it was hauling cattle with my dad every Monday night to a uh, to a buying station. We'd go to farms to pick up. And he'd have a CB in his truck. And this is in, you know, the early 90s, late 80s when I was just a little kid riding around with him. And he'd talk to other truck drivers. In that time, it was other local farmers or other trucks or snowplow trucks or whatever that had a CB on there. And they'd chat with each other. And I just found that fascinating. It, and it wasn't until really, uh, you know, years of driving truck over the road and then search and rescue that got me more into the depths of ham radio 
that uh, just got me to explore more and more and how to put it together and how to build it. And I love building more than I even like talking on radios. I really like building stuff. Well, I think for, for listeners who don't know, just real quick, so so Matt Hopkins here, he um, he's on Search and Rescue, High Alpine Rescue Unit, right? And he runs a... a a trucking business of, of sorts. Um, maybe you could define it better than I could, but my point is just like when it comes to radios and trucks and you, you've had a lot of experience. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, it's, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's just a lot of years of from playing with trucks to driving trucks. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, so that's where like I was teasing you by saying my hackles stood up because okay. the the misconception and the so, the, so what are the misconceptions? So I missed that. So CB Citizens Ban, right? Yeah. Um, what are the misconceptions you're talking about? What's going on there? Well, to 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 get into all of that for radio in general, um, what we've talked about here heavily with our our these are all connecting not antenna to antenna but antenna to satellite to another antenna. This is solo messaging. You're messaging one person, usually A to B and B to A. Satellite messengers, cell phones, yep, stuff we've been talking exactly. about. Exactly. You're so talking far. to that one person unless you group text. And well, now we're talking radios. Radio. Radio communication. Which is generally broadcasting to more than one. Okay. If you were only talking uh, to one person, they're going to hear you. But you're talking through a, a, high, a lower mm. frequency in the scheme of things compared to your cell phone, where your cell phone is two point something gigahertz. Radios, handheld or mobile, are usually within the 100 to 200 megahertz band, which is a lot lower in the in the uh, frequency charts there to where we're able to communicate more in a two-way sense. So CB, Citizens Band, was an allocated group of frequencies that were given to the public to use for free with no license on that amplitude modulation, the AM side of uh, radio so that's where the old cb term comes from it's citizens band radio people put them in their cars and you have a mile or two usually of range to talk to whoever but you are broadcasting omnidirectional so anybody on your same frequency will be able to hear what you're saying so for clarification here like i'm trying to make sure i understand this correctly um prior to citizens band radios all you had was like police fire military amateur use so okay. amateur use is the next level where you need a license to use it. Okay, but prior, and that's why Citizens Band maybe was a big deal when it first. It was what was that? The seventies? It was the sixties, I think. Probably. Well, sixties, seventies. Yeah. It was long hmm. before cell phones, so it yeah. was the most common thing. You saw everybody in movies. You saw from smoking the bandit right. convoy. Oh, yeah. Cars had them all the time. Yep. Truck stops would have them to wait. You know, call in truck drivers. Yep. Uh-huh. You know that that was very common in that day and age, and and it still is. It's not dead, believe it or not, but it's not as common it's as dying. it once was. <laughs> Yeah, wait, I remember now it's been the dying for a long time around when I was like lighting you guys up in front of this podcast and all of a sudden you started this this debate about the relevancy of citizens. I, I literally think I am the oldest person at this table, but <laughs> CB is dying. It's still used. People still love it. Truckers over the road. Truckers is where it lives right now. Really uh, classically. Yeah, in a sense. But even there, it's dying. It yeah, really, believe it or not, true. it is it is heavily dying in the big truck world because uh, like most of the guys just don't use it. They don't need to use it or they just don't want to hear the banter. Yeah, totally. There's a lot of banter <laughs> yeah. because the regulation of CB is very, very minimal. Yeah. Um, it should be regulated more 
granted, I'm probably get attacked for saying that, but <laughs> that's why it's more of the Wild West still of radio. Okay. So the other thing is, the other reason it's dying is, is the FCC opened up some other bands to public use. So the other ones that we are commonly referred to are as FRS, which is a family radio service. The GM- GMRS, General something radio service i should know that Come i don't on, you i just, I just call it i just call it mers gmr well yeah. mers and gmr are actually two different they things two different so there's things, mers there's another band um and then then you jump into the ham world so each of those um acronyms refer to separate bands of the frequency spectrum that the fcc has designated for use by public or certain licenses at different scales as you go up so okay. FRS. While we're here yeah, in sorry. this place. It's, it's getting weedy now. No, yeah. it's great. It's great. I'm loving this. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm going to bring it down to like, you know, my level of use and maybe some other people listening, um, which is it was a revelation for me to go from trying to text my buddy in front of me and texting or even like, oh, I better call him now, right? While we're on some kind of trip somewhere with the rigs, whether we're going fishing or hunting or just touring around to... Just bringing handheld radios. I think we had like Garmin Rhinos or some kind of thing like that. But just to have those radios mm-hmm. and be able to communicate. I mean, for one, it was just really fun. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, this is great. We can just banter and carry on. And But also safety-wise, like it changed the game. It's yep. like, whoa, deer in the road. You know, there's something there or something coming this way or I'm going to turn left or I'm running low on fuel. Like our ability to communicate got enhanced so much. Yep. And that's just with simple handhelds. Yep. So... I'm thinking, um, you know, that might be where some people begin with well, radio. You're, like po- you're poking the- at exactly what Matt was just saying is the beauty of a radio communication is it's available to everyone who's listening. Yeah. So if you have four rigs in your convoy, yep. and whatever you're going to do now, all at once, everybody gets to hear. Yep. Huge difference there. Right. So it's like that now we're like, that's what I'm, I'm seeing is we're going from, like cell phones and satellite devices and all, and all that to radios and the entry level radios would be what these handheld type of things yeah, I'm the, talking about the FRS thing. You go to Walmart and buy. Yeah. Well, okay. it, it's, well, let's be clear on the handheld. So some of the, the terminology was going to keep everybody clear. Yes. Ham radio. Ham is actually just a slang term for amateur radio. Okay. So whenever we say ham, so everybody's clear, is a ham radio is just an amateur radio licensed user. So this person has taken a test, has either received a technician, a general, or an extra license to operate on amateur bands that are allocated by the FCC. So when we say ham radio, that's what we're talking about. Now, when we're talking about our FRS, our GMRS, and our MERS channels, those ones are not going to necessarily require a ham license to use right. because the radios you're going to purchase from Walmart or REI or Sporting Goods Store is are our going to have the pre-programmed channels in them generally and i think one of the big rules is too is the antennas are not removable that's what makes them legal by law to to, uh, transmit i think it's the one watt or two watt depending on the legality of the band Um, the two watts allowed and you can't remove the antenna because if you were to take two watts which doesn't seem like very much but hook it to a 40-foot tower in your backyard with an 80-foot beam antenna I could probably talk to Billings from here. Mm-hmm. That's quite a ways, but you can't legally do that on those bands, so they make those antennas non-removable. So that is your, if you see the antenna and the radio is not removable and you're buying it at Walmart and REI, 
API, you're probably going to be safe to use that without any type of license, and you don't have to worry about that. I mean, you still want to be proper. and It's an FRS channel, yeah, most yep, likely. Exactly. Yep, yep. Yep. And it'll have its one through 40 or 50 or 15. I can't remember how many channels are allocated yep. for that. Yep. And yep. sometimes different codes, you can do it to personalize them a touch more, which is a different topic. Yep. So something like that would be perfect for like rig to rig convoy driving. Yeah. Like if you're just going handheld yes. with no license, the key is no sell. license, right? Handheld. That's Sim a GMR. Similar to this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm thinking I have, uh, so here, this is the Rhino. You guys okay. probably yeah, both know too, like backcountry access radios, those yep. things are like, it's exactly like that. FRS. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. And it's great for, you know, your buddy goes around the trees on his sled and gets yep. stuck and is just like, hey, I'm stuck. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Those are the ones you want to keep for that. And even hams and amateur radio users that like to do it, or even old CBers, those are handy radios to have because you can give them to any of your friends and then talk to them and then still maybe have a ham handheld mm, for with the you. the whole group. Well, because like if you're the amateur radio operator, you could be the one that could potentially, when you're traveling to different counties and you're doing more from truck to truck count talking, and you want to hit a local repeater, because there's repeaters all around the world. What's a repeater? Now, a repeater is, so, okay, so a repeater is, is like a, a tower? think of a cell tower mm -hmm. for, for a handheld radio. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk to that tower, and it's going to broadcast now the entire area that I'm in within maybe on a really big 15. antenna with a lot of power. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, but because I'm an amateur radio user and have a, a call sign and a license to do so, I can now maybe reach out to other help or just talk to other local amateur radio users in that area for local information. They're generally very friendly and happy. And if they're listening, they're willing to talk. If you say, this is my call sign and this is where I'm from, someone else might come back with their call sign and say, you know, like, what's going on? Where are you from? And if you're just looking for a place to eat dinner, they can help you that. If you're looking to say, hey, we, we see a forest fire, who knows what. They can do what they can to help you in, in different ways. Gather intelligence yeah. and information about what's going on. Yeah, and certain guys that listen are part of certain clubs and groups that may be the right person to access for that exact information. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's But that's at the amateur radio side, which is the, the, the most intense license, we'll say, you can get as in a what citizen, we're going to yeah. talk about. Yeah. I want to get into that because so, so, what I'm hearing from you guys is, you know, you start out with like the Garmin Rhinos or whatever you buy at Walmart, right? Yep. Just handheld radios. Antennas attached. Antennas attached. Can't take it off. Rig to rig, charge them up, can't, you know, maybe plug them in a cigarette light or whatever. Yep. Um, and from there, you, you can have CBs, which would be citizens band built into your rig. Can, but, but with CBs, you can't communicate on a broad, broad level, like in a far range, like you could with a range. ham radio, right? About the same yeah. as this. Range. Okay. Yep. Okay. They're range limited because they're publicly no license required. The power level is restricted and the antenna watts. size yep. is restricted. Okay. So, so a little bit yep. more of a permanent install, a little more power than most handhelds, but still kind of in that class. Yep. And generally always mobile. Now there CBs. are handheld CBs, yeah. but unless you put an external antenna on them, they really don't work very well because it's just really hard to put that technology, which is old technology, into something this tiny. And it's also, these are running off of FM, frequency modulation, mm -hmm. versus AM, amplitude modulation, which does take, for lack of a better term, more power and more antenna to transmit a wave. Yep, okay. All right, so now I think it's time to move into, get into the weeds a little bit with ham. Okay. 
amateur radio. And the reason I want to do that is from what I've been researching and everything I'm hearing you all say, like I, I'm someone who used to hear ham radio and I would just get anxiety over like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, the tests and figuring it out. And, you know, that's some, some whole new level. But even though it is, maybe I, I feel like there's so much to gain from it. If mm. you take the time and you learn how to do it and you set it up, because the more I learn, like the more I see its capabilities beyond say a cell phone, like, like how, what a useful tool it is. So I guess I would like you guys to try to explain you know, what's going on with ham radio, a little more about like what you can access, why it's useful in an emergency. Why, why go to a ham radio before we get into like, how would you do it? Yeah. I, t I know a lot of guys would love to see people starting to do more ham stuff because it's a, it's a, it's a cult <laughs> in yeah, one sense. It is. That, like the <laughs> ham guys that are real ham guys, I'm, I have a ham license, but I do not count myself as a ham operator. I have a license. I follow the rules, but there are some dudes that really know what they're talking about. That's not me. You know some of those guys. Matt yeah. knows more than I do. <laughs> I, I know a lot of those guys. And like I was saying, for what I know, they know yeah. significantly more than I could ever, that I may ever learn my entire life. Like some of these guys have de dedicated their lives to it. And, uh, and, and a lot of it's because they found one part of radio that they really enjoyed. Some like to just jabber. Some like to rag chew and just talk on the radio. Um, some are big into repeaters and the computer side of things mm -hmm. and really like the voice over IP and the, there's so many different modes. It's, I can't even name all the modes. I couldn't even name half of them and be accurate right now. How many <laughs> yeah. modes there are in radio from Morse code, CW, clear to FT8, you know, and there's digital modes. Yeah. Okay, we don't want to get this far in the weeds. Well, here, yeah, because what <laughs> Cause I'm wondering is, real should weed. a guy like myself, who, yeah. who is not the dudes you're talking about, yeah. right? I mean, you're talking a former English teacher, right? So, like, all this kind of stuff gets me a little bit nervous. But I also spend a lot of time in remote places, and I would love to improve my skills to communicate for yeah. emergencies or what have you. So... If I'm, let's just say way out, uh, like someplace like the Missouri Breaks, right? They're way out in central Montana. I have long ago left cell phone range. I know I can use my satellite messenger, but oh man, the battery died. It broke, whatever. But I have a ham radio license and a, and a ham radio in my truck. Am I going to be able to reach people? Like, is that... Is there possibly, possibly. The Missouri yeah. breaks is really in possibly. the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. The remoteness is still going to be your hindrance where if you need to get out to the world or anybody in the world, that's still going to be kind of your winning with satellites. Satellite, yeah. Um, but if you're in the, yeah, I, I would, I usually put phone and when I'm in the local backcountry on a phone radio and then satellite in that order. Um, and that's, and that's if I'm going out for many hours or even in a mobile rig, I'm going to take that. If I'm driving around in a truck, I'm going to still put the radio before I go to this, unless I need to hit somebody specific that I know doesn't really, isn't going to have a radio on. But if I was in a potential, potential crisis, uh, area where this is going to take more time, even if I hit SOS, this is going to a dispatch center, like we talked about before in Houston or wherever it may be now. And then they brought, and then they verify through all your emergency contacts, if they get a hold of them or not. So there's time being wasted there, depending on what it is, where on this being a local ham, I know I can hit the 88 Bridger Ridge repeater I know a handful of guys that are always monitoring, throw it on my call sign and say, this is an emergency. Someone's going to pick up pretty quick. So kind of like a, 
a mayday call type of thing. Yeah. If, if I needed to. On a boat or a pilot, yeah. like if you're out there. But I would be clear with my call sign so they know who is saying that mayday. And it is because who knows how much they may hear of it. Maybe it's broken a little bit. Sure. I want them to know who it is. They're going to come back. Hey, what's up? What's going on? I might say, hey, there's a severe car wreck and I'm way up Spring Hill and there's no cell service right now. We need to get 911 up here. Now them and cell phone service can handle that, hopefully from that situation and not have to worry about me and bad communication wherever I'm at. You just brought up a whole nother reason to have any of these means of communication we're referring to, like let's say like the inReach where you can send messages. It's not just an SOS cry, although it could be. For yourself, yeah, for others. For others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally. I've used mine more for others than I have myself, probably. Like, it's totally. it's come in handy. It's just, you're, you have a time thing. I mean, if it's life or death, I'm hitting SOS on this. But mm. if it's I'm stuck in the mud, this is going to take a few minutes to get. I'm not going to hit SOS, of course not. But also sending that message, it may take five to ten minutes to get it going. And that's that much more time I'm wasting where I could have maybe got someone in 30 seconds on here. Yeah, like I'm thinking even, of, let's say we're north of town, you know, 20, 30 minutes out there. Um, but we're out of cell range still. Yeah. Right? That's like, where we get stuck all the time. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. Especially this time of year. Yeah. Um, but what you're saying is with a ham license, if we know we got repeaters around here, you could jump on that radio and be like, you know, I, I have a problem, whatever it is, and immediately have a response. Yep. And I think that's the key. I would say, why go ham license? Yeah. Why yeah. go amateur yeah. radio? Because it gives you access to repeaters. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. That's the big piece for an overlander or any adventurer that is vehicle based. Cause you're not going to have a, I mean, I guess you do have a pocket handheld ham radio, but the, the ability to have 50 Watts of power with a big antenna that hits a repeater, you now have quick communication to a wide range of people in your area. Yeah. That's not to satellite huge. to Texas, but literally in your yeah, area, in your area. Yep. Yeah. And you have now, but you have to have a license to get to that level. And, and what you mentioned, though, 50 watts is what we're going to segue into. This is only four, yep. and this is only an 8-inch antenna. So this is going to probably get to the repeater that I can almost see from the window here. Yep. But if I'm down in a holler, it's not going to work. Where we go to there is your mobile setup, which does take at least DC power, car battery to power. This is your mobile setup. So this is a particular unit that we use in all of our trucks here. That's the ICOM, it, it, yep, right? yep. And uh, this has digital modes. So when you're saying you can look for a repeater, let's say I'm in Grand Prairie, Alberta. I don't know anybody in Grand Prairie, Alberta. I don't know any of the repeaters there. This does. Yeah. Because I downloaded it before I left for home. And I can turn it into a scan mode. So as I'm traveling, this will scan all of the local digital and analog repeaters. The cool thing about analog is you're going to get all your local traffic, all the people that are within that reason where you can reach out and talk to. The digital is going to talk around the world if you wanted to, depending on how you have it tuned. Hmm. So now if you if you had your ham radio, you let's say you left it on to some local channel frequency, like if if something started happening and people started bannering about it, let's say a wildfire broke out. And they're like, whoa, hey, I think I spotted the fire and blah, 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 place. And you're like, whoa, I'm camped two miles from there. Maybe it's time for me to leave. Yeah. Like, is that a benefit possibly? Like, you, you can totally. hear some yeah. of those You'd things? hear about it first there. If your phone's not working, of course, and seeing in the news, you're yeah. going to hear about it here before you're going to hear about it here. Totally. Because chances are who's got your contact to get to here isn't looking at that fire. Yep. yep. Nope. Nope. You guys are persuading me. Well, here, I'm going to persuade you backwards a little bit because oh, we okay. need to talk about GMRS. <laughs> okay. Because GMRS is another set 
frequency range that has been designated by the FCC to be available to a certain set of the public who get a license. That license does not require a test. So it's a, uh, you still have to fill out paperwork, you get registered, you get a call sign, you get a bunch of the, the we'll call it ham light, uh, GMRS, so like ham light. I might get in trouble for that. But anyway, it, you do need a license. You do have the ability to put on external antennas. You do have the ability to up your wattage to a stronger wattage, um, like a mobile station GMRS based, um, it's just very limited that it's growing in popularity, but is nowhere near as popular as far as repeater availability as a true amateur radio repeater. Can you use repeaters on GMRS? Yeah. But you can. Okay. Yeah. They're just know. rare. I don't, I don't know They're much about that. They are rare. Yeah. yeah. But it's growing. Like it's, yeah. it's catching up because the FCC designated this, this range and a set of devices that are, you, you can't switch um, frequencies on that ham radio, I can like turn the dial to whatever frequency I want and go for it. On a GMRS, there are set channels. You go boop, boop, boop. I'm on channel 12, and they're all the same. So it's it's limited in capability, but it is expanded in its reach because you can go up in power and up in antenna. You do need a license. You have to use your call sign. Um, you can share your call sign with a family, which is kind of cool. So there's a bunch of rules, and I won't try to get into all of them. But to back it down from amateur radio into GMRS, we're starting to find this sweet spot between CB, which is doesn't is very limited in range. No to, call sign needed, no Yeah, license. no call sign needed, totally public, to now I'm in this middle range where I can get a little stronger a signal, I can have a bigger antenna, and I have a call sign, I have to follow some rules. But I'm transmitting to a lot of people at the same time. And just, and like you mentioned, just barely some repeaters are coming out. But And, and like, as I understand it, with, with very, relatively little investment compared to taking a ham test. Like yes. Basically, you just have to fill out a form, right? B- basically. And pay a small fee to the FCC. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I think a lot of people like, cause I, I want to say on some of the handhelds I've played around with, it's, that's a feature. Like it'll be like GMR as capable. Capable. Yep. And I've always just kind of been like, I wonder what that is. Yep. Um, and so now I'm thinking, Oh, I could up my game a little bit Mm -hmm. for not much of an investment. Yep. Yep. Totally. Hmm. Okay. I think, okay, so we That's made super it. Helpful. I was going to say, to swing yeah. it the other way, to not let make it look so scary, right, is right. that once you become that full amateur radio operator, you have your your call sign. Now you've opened up that whole realm. You can use all of those, CB, yeah. GMRS, all of it. Yeah. And I, I, the only reason why I would maybe push and advocate for that, even though it sounds a little scarier, it is a little bit harder of a test, that they do have a lot of good practice tests for these days. You don't have to memorize Morse code anymore in order to pass the test like you did back in the old days. Um, you'll find that you, the last thing you want to do for communication is restrict yourself. Yeah. The last thing you want to be is I need help, but all I'm, I'm secluded onto this or all I can do is these channels. You want to be able to reach out to the world if you have to, yeah. you know, you want to do everything but call the cops directly. And, uh, that's why I would say that. And that plus it just, it, it's, we always call it, it's a ticket. It's your, it's your ham ticket. We kind of say as a slang term. It's your ticket to learn. Yeah. Because a lot of people have, and I think even Tanner was mentioning earlier, is like, I was reading and taking the test and it was teaching me how to rebuild this whole radio. And it seems very scary and very in depth. And it's really given you that option to say, okay, now you have this license and this is what you're allowed to do. Keep learning. Yeah. 
keep learning because once you start learning more and more, you start to really open up your mind. To, and that's why I don't feel as bad because you've told all that stuff about GMRS. I only knew half of it. Yeah. Because I've never even used it. I've right. always gone to different lengths and bands and stuff. But it is interesting to know that there is that split hair in between there now that you can do and a lot easier than taking a full amateur yeah, test. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's it's opening. And so why, this? I'll go one more thing. Why do the GMRS, I agree, Matt, I did my ham for the same reason. Like it opens the door to all the possibilities. But it's more intense. So uh, the big difference between, okay, so this is a Garmin Rhino. It operates on the FRS, the family radio service. This is a GMRS radio. It operates on that set band of the GRMS. Okay, bigger antenna. Look at that. It's removable. Okay, that's kind of how you know it's GRMS. GMRS. This is valuable for convoy communication, right? This is yes. when yes. this becomes right. a, a valuable thing. Ham, yes, convoy communication, beautiful. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid of that. Oh, okay, GRMS, I'll do that because it's a little bit easier. Oh, I don't even want to pay anything. I just want to use FRS, okay? So th all three exist. All three are effective for truck-to-truck and uh, yeah. differing levels of local communication, yeah. right? Raft raft Each or... one gets a little bit more capable as you go up. Your FRS can't take the antenna off, can't change the power. It's going to be limited in its range, its reach, its clarity, that kind of type of stuff. GRMS, I got to get a license. I got to pay a little money, but I can reach farther. I can mount it in my truck. I can put an external antenna on. I can get up in wattage, but I'm limited in my channels, limited in my repeater use. Back to the full-on ham radio, open book. You can do whatever you want, basically, within the rules. So what do I need to do to get a ham license? Talk to your buddy. <laughs> uh, you go online. Uh, yeah, there's all, all kinds of resources online. Uh, one really popular one is hamstudy.org. Mm -hmm. You can go on there and take practice tests. You can also go in there and schedule out your test for a local area. Okay. Uh, we host tests every month here just in the Gallatin, in Gallatin Valley. Uh, our ham club does it. And uh, there's even an option to do it online. Uh, they have very strict uh, restrictions to prove that you're not cheating to do it online because it would be a very easy test to cheat on if you just had a slip note below you to give you all the answers. But uh, they have them right in town and online, and we get usually a few people every month in the, in the county getting them, getting their license. And what kind of process, presuming you're willing to spend a couple hours a night studying, what, what kind of timeline are we looking at? Is this like one month, six months? Depends on how good you're at cramming. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and, and I'll be honest, there's, because there's three levels. There's a technician, which is your entry level getting into it. I don't want to say entry, make it sound like it's very beginner, because it is just the step one of getting your license. Uh, the second is general, which the differences in those primarily is it opens up more bands. And when I mean more bands, I mean lower in the frequency charts, which are the really tall antennas you start seeing in people's backyards and the base stations they have in their houses. It goes well beyond the VHF, UHF uh, handhelds that we're used to because if you were to run 20-meter band on a handheld, you need a 40-foot antenna. It's not practical. So those, those extra grades you're going up, the general and the extra, are for people that want to have base setups and run larger antennas or do other, yeah. 
to talk, the most talk part to North Korea. Yeah, you're talking around the world. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I've got antennas in my backyard that I do talk around the world on with just regular voice transmissions, and they're relatively simple setup. But it's opened up more bandwidth for me to use, which gets quieter in a sense because now you're able to really communicate with people that are in that special class, mm-hmm. and there's not a whole lot of extra banter from all the people that just jumped into it. Yeah, with like the, with the first the opposite. Level. If you get an FRS radio and there's like I don't know, there's like 16 channels with, you know, three different sidebands or whatever, and you're driving through town, you'll hear all sorts of stuff. Oh, and like, bridgeable. Mom uh, yelling for her kid, oh, yeah. yelling for her mom. Yeah, They're screaming like, and crying. Who's who? And, and then you're like, yeah. we got to switch channels. Half the time you're just saying, switch to A, B, C. Okay, I'm on B now. Okay, where are you? Are you on B now? No, and then, oh, it's, yeah, it's, and it's a zoo. I'll, I'll spin to one band <laughs> on the 20 meter, or maybe the 40 or 80 meter band and the extra side of things and then get to a guy in Kentucky and it's just him and I. Yeah. There might be other people listening, but if they are, they're probably going to chime up because there's only three of us yeah. across the country now listening on that particular frequency they were on. So it's, yeah, there's a lot to it. Well, I, I'm going to, to wrap the podcast up, I'm going to circle back around to where we started, which also connects to what um, Matt just said about ham. And I think you too, Ryan, about how, like, look at your ham license. If you go that route is, an invitation to begin learning about ham. Like you get through the door and then there's this whole world of ham you can learn as much as you want about. And I feel like that's a good analogy for communications in general. So whether you're heading out and maybe you're just more mindful of how you're gonna use your cell phone, or you're thinking for the first time you're gonna use a messenger device, right? You're now thinking about communications when you're out recreating, when you're overlanding, whatever it is you're doing. And from there, it's like so many of these things, it's endless learning. Hmm. The whole, the whole space overlanding is full of like these niche skill sets. And that's, what's fun about pulling them together is you'll run into somebody like Matt that's like got a ton of experience in the ham world or somebody else over here that you're an adventure biker. Like if I want to talk about overlanding and adventure biking, I ask Jimmy, if I want to talk about ham stuff, I talk to Matt, like each of those areas are, are fun to explore within that space. Yes. I think that's like one of my favorite things about overlanding is just the endless learning that goes on and the way it underscores the value of critical thinking skills. And you're always trying to like think things through to find better ways or to optimize your vehicle or what have you. So um, I, I've learned a ton sitting down here with you guys. And uh, how, how many I don't comments know much do you, we going to get? You two have learned. Did we? Did we like set fires on the internet yet? I don't. We did pretty good. I think. I we don't were, know. I, I think we we didn't use the word CB too much. I think okay. we we're doing okay. We'll My okay. hackles finally went down. We we, we and, touched uh, on it, and, and that was it. Right? It's Maybe important. It's our legacy. CB. <laughs> I, I actually all, all the trucks that I've ever run with, I usually always recommend the guys that I'm with to say oh. put a CB in there as along with a, a VHF or a ham radio. Some of them are ham. Some of them aren't. Uh, so we can we can operate on the proper channels that we're allowed to prop or to talk on. But even going to Mexico, I wanted everybody to have a CB for backup. Yeah. And it's worked every single time because we've had radio failure. Someone rips an antenna off. Someone gets their coax smashed in the door. Someone's radio gets coffee spilt all over it. We've always come back to the old CB radio yeah, yeah. that just flat works when we need it to work. And One that, more. We probably should have said that earlier, but the, the point of communications is to talk to the people you want to talk to. So if your kids are on TikTok... You got to go on TikTok. Yeah, like, you're right. And in this case, whatever life. If you want to want to roll with a four wheel drive club around your neighborhood, it's probably on CB. 
because it's the most familiar. CB? Or ever, no, CB. CB. Okay. If you don't want to get hit by a log truck in northern Montana, yeah. look at the signs they have on the trees that say truckers monitoring channel 16. Yeah. You want to listen to see where these guys are coming barreling over a hill so you're not sitting there outside your truck getting run it's over. True. It's true. It's really I've coming handy signs. up north. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And you know, Ryan mentioned my adventure biking like into that. And and yeah, that is a horror of mine. <laughs> I'm going to come around the corner and face a log truck. Yeah. If you so, heard them coming on the radio beforehand, you can definitely get out of the way and even talk with them. They really appreciate it if you're able to yep. communicate to say like, Hey, we're moving over for you or we're stuck in the middle of the road. Don't run us over. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, my, my main point there is, is you want, you need to know who you're trying to talk to and then meet them on their channel and where you are. Yeah. And if that happens to be a local club that everybody's rolling CBs, go buy a CB. Well, I'm thinking too, like uh, all the cattle drives I come across sure. and I'm, I'm, betting that some of those cowboys and the rigs, you know, who are kind of managing from the truck and the guys are on horseback, I bet they have CBs in there. And Sometimes, yeah, that or they yeah. may have their own two-way or they'll, they'll have like a ham, a GMRS set up to where they're on their own yep. frequency with another or usually just yelling at the window. <laughs> That's, That's usually, usually just stay out. If they're driving cows down the road, just stop, yeah. be polite, wave. They'll give you a stupid look and like you, they don't know why you're there, but just be nice and wave and wait for them to go by. It makes sense. One more tidbit like that you brought up here, Matt, by mentioning that CBs still have value is redundancy in communications. So not relying solely on one means, but having some backups. Mm -hmm. Because one thing I think we've kind of also forgot to mention too, is just they're fun. I think you said that earlier. Yeah. You're going, if you, I don't know if you've crossed from Grand Prairie, Alberta back to the Montana state line, but that's a long drive <laughs> and it takes a long time and you have someone to talk to and chat with down the road. It really comes in handy. And if you only have a handheld and it dies, your CB's mounted in the truck and you still got that to go. And, and I think I usually just listen to these podcasts. You can listen to podcasts too. <laughs> Just download. Wait, it. maybe download maybe you are the youngest guy here. Maybe I'm the only one listening to the CB. Who is a state of mind? It is just a state of mind. You're right. Because I'm, I'm the sixty. I'm the sixty-five year old here. Actually, <laughs> that's right. Well, guys, thanks so much for being on the podcast today, and thanks everybody for listening and joining us. Um, hope. Hopefully, everyone learned all kinds of things. And if you're listening and you would like to see this podcast, be sure to check out Overlander Network where you can watch the podcast. You can check out all of X Overland's content, new and old, and see that first episode that Ryan was referring to where he appears. That's right. That'd be good stuff. And um, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps. We appreciate your support. And until next time, stay adventurous. Stay adventurous.